Today on episode 5 of 30 Days of Plight, the fuck is that? The fuck is this? And we have an all too serious moment in regards to civil rights history. Welcome to 30 Days of Plight, your horror movie podcast where we review random fright flicks chosen from a popular streaming service, all determined by a dice roll. I'm your host as always, Jay Simba. So how have all y'all been? Been doing well, uh, spending a lot of time working on D&D minis and having the campaign I run at my job start again. But otherwise, between some nice springtime relaxing, we've been making it out to the movies more. Especially with so much coming out so close in these few months. So for horror hype this week, I'm going to take a few minutes of it just to talk about the Jordan Peele film Us, which came out this past weekend. I'm not going to spoil anything, I just want to say that I really enjoyed this film. Probably not as much as I liked Get Out, but I feel like Get Out was one of those films that some of us horror fans have been holding our breath for, and upon seeing it, we were able to exhale and take in that fresh breath of air. It was that mix of, I don't know, psychological horror and social commentary that left you thoughtfully frightened. With us, Mr. Peel gives us one part home invasion, one part slasher, and one part comedy horror, then mixes the whole thing in cerebral horror and serves it with a twist. It's very Twilight Zone-ish, and despite laying all of his cards on the table at the end, I can see a lot of viewers not being able to read them. And that's good. It leaves things open for dialogue and discussion, which a film should have after it. There are things I noticed that my husband didn't, and vice versa, and also speculation on other things from both of us. The acting is solid, the humor hits, and a big shout out to the person that did the sound effects and foley work, because it's been a while since I cringed at the sound of something happening in a movie. Go see us, and see it soon. We were lucky enough to see it in a rather full audience, and that only enhances the experience when you hear other people scream out at things that you might not jump at. The only other thing I have for horror hype is I want to mention that the electronic group Dance with the Dead released a new single. Uh, It's named Tension and it fucking slams. If you're a fan of Retrowave or Dark Wave or any of that stuff with a bit of a metal influence to it, check the song out and check them out. So at the end of last week's episode, I made no effort to hide my reaction to the discovery that I would be reviewing 2018's Tale from the Hood 2 today. If you haven't watched either of the films, the original came out in 1995, I believe, and both are anthology films. We have a collection of short films which are broken up by our binder film. You know, it's it's that glue that attempts to make this all make sense. Let me just say, Tales from the Hood 2 took me places. Some good, and some bad. If nothing else, know that the opening credits to this movie 
appear in front of CG skeletons and flames, which look like something out of a cheap PS4 home screen theme, and that sets the tone. The primary plot is our character known as Portafoy Sims is brought into some sort of robotics lab where the horribly racist and sexist politician and private prison owner named Dumas Beach <laughs> I'm sorry, it's very obvious that the them calling him dumbass bitch later is going to happen. I can't even like skip the pretense. It, it's I was gonna mention it later when it actually does happen. It's the most obvious setup ever. But anyway, <laughs> Dumas Beach uh, has been spending his time working with scientists to develop a new robo-AI which will serve essentially as judge, jury, and in some cases, executioner if needed for criminals. Uh, kind of think of it as a shitty version of Robocop with an accent on the shitty and a lot more red, white, and blue. So our character Mr. Sims claims to be an expert storyteller and he finds out that he was asked to come because this AI can only establish its moral code through the telling of stories. Question mark? It... I somehow broke my own brain while rehashing that just now. Dumas makes a bunch of racist statements to Mr. Sims, as Sims is a black man, in a fucking stellar coat I might add. I would... Fuck, I want that coat, but I don't know where I would wear it. Anyway, our first story in short then begins with Mr. Sims telling the story of, uh, good golly. Now, I need to preface the rest of Tales from the Hood 2. I can't tell if it's trying to be comedy, horror, social commentary, or an awkward mix of those three. When people are stereotypes, then they're that stereotype turned the fuck up to 11. The social commentary, while relevant, is like someone slapping you in the face while shouting the obvious at you. For example, our first short is Good Golly. It starts with two girls, one white, one black, all BFFs, going to a museum of historical racism in an attempt to buy a gollywog from it. Uh, I had to look this up. Uh, gollywog is a type of doll with uh, that's very familiar blackface-esque look to it and it's based off of a series of children books written by some dead white woman. They look racist so fuck them and fuck her. The white girl acts incredibly entitled and her and her friend think that racism is over pretty much just because the two of them are friends. They get run out of the place but later with the white girl's brother in tow they attempt to steal the doll that she couldn't buy earlier. Shit pretty much goes bonkers from here. So we get foreplay involving a an actual whipping pole, which leads to the case that the doll is being held in being smashed, and the gollywog turning into a giant mascot-sized version of itself. It begins to attempt a killing spree, but the white girl hits on it, and then we cut to her being pregnant and giving birth in the museum, 
And by birth I mean her stomach explodes and hundreds of these tiny naked gollywog dolls are t-shirt cannon through a hole in her gut for about two minutes. And that's it. Like, that's the end of it. The, the owner of the museum makes a statement about... It, it's something along the lines of you're just getting white women pregnant and they made that racist stereotype about you so all you're doing is acting out what you were thought to be uh, uh, this one was weird it, it they're all weird but this one was definitely one of those like I don't know where this is going oh this went there I wasn't ready for that burn it all down so coming out of good golly our next short film is the medium and it opens on three quote-unquote thugs beating on a guy that used to be a pimp slash dealer but says that the money he has hidden is to help the community uh, one guy goes a bit too far and ends up killing the reform man but luckily for them they decide to go see a fake tv medium who's actually played by brian bat from mad men whatever he's doing in here but they go to see him in order to contact the spirit of the man they killed to find out where the money is hidden the fake psychic ends up channeling the spirit for real and the ghost has some weird ghost powers which he then uses to kill the three gangsters and assume brian bat's life and role as the medium this one was hard to get through it i mean God, I can't even form words to, to like talk about it because there's just so much going on and it's such a loose thread that they're just trying to pull you along with. So it just, it, it wasn't working for me. Fuck. All right, the next one is Date Night. Now this is the shortest of the four and the plot revolves around two gross guys that lied to some attractive women and are on their way essentially to drug, sexually assault, and record the whole incident as they have a history of doing so. After a rousing game of Cards Against Humanity, the girls are given the lace drinks and the boys carry them upstairs. While the one sets up a phone camera on a tripod, he notices that just the clothes are showing up but not the women. So when both are distracted, the girls spring up and show that they're the real predators in this story and drain the men just enough to knock them out. When they wake up, they're in the attic with blood-starved men that had come before them and were turned. The vamps are let loose on them, and truthfully, even that isn't a good enough death for these scum fucks. And then we roll into our final short, which is The Sacrifice. Now, forget everything you've heard me say up to this point. I actually got literal chills during a part of this short. It begins in the past with some white men with guns going to a house to take a boy named Emmett from it. During the future time, our main character and his pregnant white wife are sleeping until she starts talking about a man wanting to live and he's going to take the baby. There's a great shot of her looking out their window into their yard and we see this long cast shadow of a man, but he isn't there. We quickly find out that the husband is a councilman that's backing a racist mayor with his bid for governor and supports the closing of polling stations in black areas. Time jumps back and forth here a bit before the wife begins to lose her belly and a local magic man is brought in by the husband's mother. 
All three of them can see the spirit, but the husband refuses to believe until modern times starts to revert to a world that the civil rights movement never began and racism uh, was prevalent. Confused, the husband is told to respect the sacrifice, and finally he is, has the chance to see Emmett. Now, alright, shit's gonna get real talk here for a second. This specific Emmett is Emmett Till. Uh, he was a real 14-year-old boy that was taken from his home at night, beaten, and murdered, all because he whistled at a white woman. It, it was pretty much the kickoff point for the start of the civil rights movement because his mother essentially made the paper put the photo of his body and like how badly beaten he was on the paper because she wanted the world to see what they, the general they, had done to her child. In the movie, everything is changing because he feels that his sacrifice wasn't to allow other black men to essentially turn on their own. After that, the ghosts of the girls from the Baptist church bombing come, then the Freedom Riders, and so on and so on until the husband is put in a place where he finally understands and that he has to sacrifice himself in order to save his child and essentially the modern world socially as we know it. This short felt the realest to me, and I don't mean it in some stupid sense of like, oh, ghosts are gonna come, no, uh, none of that. I think that this one, the message that it's trying to put forth, it did it in a way that is the most accessible to individuals as its actual historical figures. And while all of these cases, they're not individuals that willingly sacrifice themselves at the time, their martyrdom brought about a movement and a social change. And it's, I don't know, I, I, I felt moved in, its, in my own way by this last, uh, last actual short film. But at this point in the film, we have to wrap everything up with a nice, neat little bow. And the time has come for the Robo-Patriot to be unveiled by Dumas Beach. Of course the robot thinks that Beach is the real threat to American society, calls him dumbass bitch, which, I mean, like I said, come on, that we knew that was coming for a while. Uh, but then it just shoots red, white, and blue lasers at him. <laughs> which, this is the most bullshit American robot ever. The, the fuck that weird MIT versus China robot mech war, like this, this is what we needed. Anyway, Mr. Sims picks Beach up and they drive away until Sims reveals himself to be the devil, screams, welcome to hell motherfucker, and laughs as Beach is pulled into the CG flames by some demon zombie-ish people. And that's it. That's, that's the fucking end. Like, hard end. And I, I can't believe I just talked about this movie. And it's, even more so, I can't believe I watched this movie. The thing that floors me is that there is production value put into this. There are good actors here. It just feels like someone needed to take a look at each of these scripts and just go, Alright, 
pick a fucking direction here and rein it in a bit. I'm not even sure what crowd this movie is meant for. I would have the assumption that it would be geared towards a black audience, and maybe that's where my disconnect is since I'm white. I don't know. With that, I'm giving the overall Tales from the Hood 2 experience one copy of Doggy Style out of 5, but the sacrifice I'm going to give a 2.5 out of 5. And with that, another episode comes to a close. If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Gmail at 30 Days of Plight. That's 30-D-A-Y-S-O-F-P-L-I-G-H-T. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. And if you enjoy what we're doing here, then tell your friends, leave a review, let us know, whatever. Uh, Join us next week when we'll be watching the 2005 video game film starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Doom. So until next time, I'll be right back.